0: Welcome to Lift Up Your Hearts podcast. My name is Justin Kordom. This podcast is meant to enliven and help our prayer life. The Catechism of the Catholic Church quotes St. John Damascene when it talks about prayer when he says, prayer is a lifting up of our hearts and minds to God. And that's what we're doing here. And we use the tools of St. Ignatius to make that happen. St. Ignatius gives us this main tool that we use our imagination to contemplate Scripture. We place ourselves into the story as much as possible, as like an actor would do when they're playing a role, to allow ourselves to feel it more fully, to see it and experience it, and then relate it to the Lord. St. Ignatius's 30-day spiritual exercises are often called, you know, setting captives free. And I like to call this type of prayer giving our prayer wings. So if we're set free from the lies of the enemy through the discernment of spirits, we are given wings by using by continuing to use that in our own prayer life. He teaches a style that we use our imagination and we allow the Lord to speak to us and then we relate it to him throughout the week. We go to him, just like I said last week, we're cave diving and we go to him with these nuggets that we found and we ask him, Lord, what, what is this? What, what did I find here? Tell me all about this. And we do this, of course. I, you know, I couldn't suggest more the discernment of spirits by Father Timothy Gallagher. It's a tool that has set me free from the lies of the enemy in many ways. Of course, he still tries to sneak in there. He's quite a jerk. But with these tools and skills and rules for discernment, It has allowed me to see those lies, become aware of them, to acknowledge them, and then ultimately reject them and only listen to the voice of the Father. And that's a perfect segue to go into this tool for imaginatively contemplating scriptures. St. Ignatius asks us for the moment of an Our Father, so I don't know, 15 seconds or so, to contemplate how the lord looks on us with love like a father who has created us and really loves us if you're a father this is the look that we look upon our children or a wife with this is maybe the the look that we received as children from an unconditionally loving parent if we haven't felt that we might really need to use our imagination but St. Ignatius says how the Lord looks upon us with love. Not that he looks upon us with love. We're not, we're not discerning whether he does or doesn't. We are looking at it because he does. And we are his beloved children. And he looks at us with love. He indeed does. He has created us out of an abundance of love. And he loves us more than we can imagine. And so we take the moment of an Our Father to to contemplate that, to see in our our mind, in our imagination, him really, him really looking at us. This week we are Continuing in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, this is the 28th week in Ordinary Time, year A, if you're following along in anything. If you got your Bible, I do have this uh, beautifully done Bible by Ascension. Uh, I highly recommend it. This is something I received when when my mother died. And sometimes we might need to read a little bit before or after the passage to just kind of get our bearings. Ignatius asks us to to read through it the first time, to, to just kind of orient ourselves to the story and see where we're at. I, I find this particular passage interesting. So we're, we're nearing the end of the Gospel of Matthew, we're chapter 22 here. Jesus has come into Jerusalem. He has overturned, cleansed the temple, and now he's said kind of a series of parables that are quite clearly judging the people he's giving them to. And I like this little passage here right before chapter 22 when the gospel writer says, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking about them. But when they tried to arrest him, they feared the multitudes because they held him to be a prophet. I just find that, I don't know, interesting. So we are coming in with that context that Jesus has cleansed the temple. He's he's clearly starting to make some enemies here in Jerusalem leading up to of course, his crucifixion. So he gives them another parable. This, again, this is chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a marriage feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the marriage feast, but they would not come. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, Behold, I have made ready my dinner, my oxen, and my fat calves are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the marriage feast. But they made light of it and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, treated them shamefully, and killed them. The king was angry, and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. Then he said to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. Go therefore to the streets and invite to the marriage feast, as many as you find. And those servants went out into the streets, gathering all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. And he said to him, Friend, how did you go get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him out into the outer darkness, where there will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Again, this is not a homily. This is not a Bible study. But it is sometimes helpful, the first time reading it through, to get a little understanding, a little context. There have been a series of parables where Jesus has been explaining to the chief priests and the elders that those of the Jewish family were called, but they are not all worthy. And he said in the parable you know, two before this that prostitutes and tax collectors will enter the kingdom of heaven before the chosen people. And this is a little bit of a continuation of that. That these first invited guests laughed and scoffed and didn't want to come. They made light of the situation and they said no and they walked away. And then other guests were invited. And they came and filled the hall. And of course the hall we know is... The wedding feast in heaven, and it's filled with guests. Not the first ones who are invited, but the second. And then we get this this other interesting section of the parable at the end, when Jesus is, or the uh, the host comes into contact with a, a man who is not properly dressed for. The feast. And this is also another reference to not being worthy, not being uh, ready or prepared to be in heaven, to be at the wedding feast. There are appropriate things to wear to certain things. And there are ways to get our minds and our bodies ready as well for heaven. Heaven is not a place where God's going to force us to be, Uh, but it is a place that we are invited to. However, we can't just come as we are, because I'm certainly not ready. The second time we read through this passage, we are meant to place ourselves in the story. Now, I've said before that sometimes parables are a little bit difficult because there's not necessarily a narrative story for us to enter into. But there certainly is a way that we can still enter into it. There still are characters that we can choose and we can give a backstory to. So I often say this is an opportunity for us to smell the smells and feel the feels and see the sights and hear what's happening and, and see what people's faces are doing when certain things happen. So there are characters that we can pick even in, you know, kind of parables or someone just telling a story. We can certainly pick some of the people in the parable. And we can give them a backstory, and we can give them a life, and, and then we can dive into what that feels like. What does it feel like to be the person who was invited to this feast but said no? And then, I don't know, maybe, you know, we don't hear about it here, but maybe you heard about it later, that regular street people were invited. And they went in and had this wedding feast. Would you be angry then? I don't know. You have to dive into that. And then what does that feel like? You know, relate that to the Lord afterwards. or what does it feel like to be a person who was uninvited and you 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 certainly felt unworthy and then you're invited to what what seems like a a pretty big deal, a pretty big wedding feast. What does that feel like? What are the faces around when you look around at the wedding? You know, like, what are people, what are people's reaction? And then maybe, maybe you see this man getting bound up who is not in a wedding garment and being thrown out. What does that feel like? What is his reaction? How do you feel? And then there are the other people that you could, you know, we're, we're presuming that possibly, you know, most likely the disciples are here listening to this as well. His other followers are here. Maybe you're not a disciple. Maybe you are one of the disciples. You know, like I said last time when Jesus mentioned that tax collectors and prostitutes are getting into heaven before the chosen people, what does that feel like if you're Matthew? Matthew. You know, what does it feel like in your life? You're hearing Jesus say this story. What does it feel like in your life if you don't feel like you're the chosen? You've been one that has been cast off by many people. You're listening to this story and you hear Jesus talk about them. And maybe you're a Gentile listening. I don't know. You can you can be a little flexible with this too. You know, most likely of course they wouldn't be if it's this is in the context of the temple. However, I don't know. It might be an interesting exercise to do or to imagine it. So take some time and give your character some a backstory. Well, who are you? What does it feel like? What's going through your mind? Where are you in life? What is it, you know? Maybe you're having a rough day. Maybe you're having the day you're having while you listen to this. What does it feel like to sit at the feet of Jesus as he tells this parable? What goes through your heart? What goes through your body? What sensations do you feel? And then when we do that, ask the Lord, what's happening? Why do I feel like that? Just ask him. He's, he's not afraid of our questions. He's certainly not afraid. So again, this, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 1 through 14. And again, Jesus spoke to them in parables, saying, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who gave a marriage feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the marriage feast, but they would not come. Again he sent other servants, saying, Tell those who are invited, Behold, I have made ready my dinner, my oxen and fat calves are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the marriage feast. But they made light of it, and went off, one by one, to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants, "'treated them shamefully, and killed them. "'The king was angry, and he sent his troops "'and destroyed those murderers and burnt their city. "'Then he said to his servants, "'The wedding is ready, but those invited were not worthy. "'Go therefore to the streets, "'and invite to the marriage feast as many as you find.' "'And those servants went out into the streets "'and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good.' So the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment, and he said to him, Friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then the king said to the attendants, Bind him hand and foot, and cast him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. I think one of the the characters that I easily kinda gravitate towards is someone who was not on the on the inside. Originally maybe someone who was just listening along and felt disconnected. And what that felt like for the king. I, I you know, I, I guess I glossed over that the first time. This is certainly a big deal in the city and, and, and everywhere for the king to invite me to his feast. Would certainly have thought that he could have had the feast with just his family there and said no one wants to come whatever we're just going to have it with our family. But there's some, something particular about a wedding feast that it behooves it to be celebrated boisterously with lots of people. You know, I, it would be a shame just to have a small little wedding feast. And I'm reminded to tell you that this kind of dialogue in my head is is my prayer. This is how I pray. This is how I use this imagination. Is to really dive into this. You know, it would behoove um, the king to have this party, and it feels full when there's people to celebrate and to jump and to dance and to sing. And I can imagine that that night was even more boisterous than any other wedding feast they thought of or have ever been to. One, for being honored to be there for the king, but I think sometimes in some ways that unexpected invitation from the Lord is huge for for me. That this feeling of maybe not being included or worrying about that, that the Lord invites me in particular and he wants me to be a part of this party. And in some ways also because because he loves his son and he wants his son to experience this party and i am his adopted son and this is this is the way i continue to kind of dialogue with the passage and this turns into even more, you know, I I kind of keep imagining the Lord maybe, I, and sometimes I even kind of switch characters or I was maybe a, an observer before, but now I'm one of the participants in the parable. And what does it feel like for the king? I see Jesus as the king or the father as the king, and he's inviting me in particular. What does it feel like to see his face there or to celebrate with his son, his family, his his heir and to be a part of that. And in some ways to feel unworthy, but um but I'm there and then you know I'm also reminded that I need to prepare for this thing because others are Invited and they were so ill-prepared that they said no. You know, this is a beautiful reflection of of our no to God. You know, I've often said that's what my sin is. It's, it's a knowing God's plan and saying no to it. Knowing the king's plan and saying, no, I'm, you know. Go to my farm or my business is more important. It's a simple no. And then the party, the, the banquet, heaven is not my place anymore. Not because God has judged something, but because I've said no. Or I haven't prepared when I did say yes. And then usually this'll turn into a kind of a dialogue with with God the Father or Jesus or sometimes the Holy Spirit. You know, I, I, I beg the Holy Spirit to to pour down upon me to have the the gifts to say yes, to to act. In some ways. A lot of times I'll dialogue with Jesus. And I see the Father as a loving. Loving gift giver. The loving Father. And that's what my. Prayer will be like. Just taking this scripture. And and just kind of letting it ruminate with me the rest of the week. Just thinking about it going back to it asking questions kind of like I said last week diving into the cave a little further and discovering new things and then relating them to Jesus you know I, I find a little nugget and I'll bring that to prayer and say what's this like what what's going on here and just asking questions with God and you know, sometimes I get answers or the a sense or something, and I'll write it down. Or it's just a continued dialogue and relationship with Him. I encourage you to to try that this week. One of my goals for this podcast is to show that prayer is not doesn't have to be complicated. We can use tools that we already have, like our imagination, something that we used a lot as kids, and we we just maybe don't use as much anymore it's like a muscle and it's a muscle that if we don't use it atrophies and we got to keep flexing that muscle in order for it to to work for us and and we use that imagination kind of as a primer for the conversation to happen the rest of the week or maybe even months into the future again i highly suggest all of father timothy gallagher's books they have been a blessing to me in my life and and my wife's now doing a study on discernment of spirits and they they really have been setting captives free for a really long time and they've certainly set me free from a lot of the lies of the enemy and and given me a vocabulary to to dive deep deeper into my prayer to lift up my heart to be with the lord i'll see you next week god bless